Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This week on the big show, we salute the 25th anniversary of the cult classic musical drama, The Five Heartbeats. Released in March 91, writer-director Robert Townsend's musical love letter tells the story of a quintet of hopeful young African-American men in the 1960s who formed an amateur vocal group called The Five Heartbeats. We'll talk about the film's impact and spotlight the music from this classic, Plus, we'll have entertainment news and reviews of the latest films, including Midnight Special, all on episode 284 of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Let's go. Now let's start the show. show. Step out of the cold, cold. We come from the cold, cold. To the top of the cold, cold. The pits and the holes, holes. The folks and the stones. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 284 of the big show, Keeping It Real with Tim Gordon. I am Tim Gordon and uh, a tribute show today. You know, I love doing tribute shows uh, where we focus. Well, actually, we're not necessarily doing a tribute show. A tribute show we've done in the past where we focus on one thing and that's all we're doing. But today's theme, of course, is celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Five Heartbeats, which actually was released in theaters on March 29th, 1991, so two days earlier than what we're doing the show today, but today we're commemorating the show. Um, I'm sorry, not the show, but the movie. And this is a movie that's really, really important to my career, and I will explain now. Um, Yeah, I will explain now, because, you know, I'll talk to you about what we have coming up a little later on in a minute, but the reason why this movie is so important to me is back in – uh, you know, 1991, 1990, 91, 
I was still kind of groping for my career direction. And um, I went to the movies and had an opportunity at that point to see two movies that I think were really important. Of course, The Five Heartbeats was one, and the other was Charles Burnett's uh, To Sleep With Anger. And basically what I learned from watching those two films is those films kind of resonated and spoke to me, but once they were released in theaters, they didn't do big box office at all. And I remember my initial impression or my initial thought was, it's got to be a way that we connect Hollywood to the African-American community because either, cause there's no reason why this film shouldn't have grossed more than what it did. Um, by all means, not a perfect film, but a musical film that really resonated with people who watched it, saw it, and remembered it. So it led me to starting my, what was my first newsletter, which launched my career into radio and television, which launched my career as a film critic. And I attribute a lot of the success of what I have today to what these two films taught me uh, at the onset 25 years ago to get me to this point right now. So that's why I said The Five Heartbeats is a movie that's really near and dear to me, and it was a joy and a pleasure to to host this episode of this show today to talk about this film and to spotlight and celebrate it. Now, coming up in a couple of minutes, of course, we're going to have Wilson Morales, who's going to come on and talk to us about entertainment news uh, and what else is happening in entertainment in the film industry also, we've got three movie reviews that are coming up a little later on. Of course, for Midnight Special, Everybody Wants Some. And the third movie um, kind of escapes me right now. It's a movie. <laughs> it kind of escapes me. But whatever that escape me movie is, it's coming up. In addition to that, Harry Linick, Wilson Morales, sat down with Harry Linick, who starred as Dresser in The Five Heartbeats. And he's going to be on our show a little later on today as well. And then we're just going to spend a lot of time listening to clips and talking about this movie that was released 25 years ago this week and is a film that has become a cult classic. So we'll have all that coming up on the show today. And I really do need to figure out what this missing movie is uh, <laughs> because I've got to review it. So I know, you know, I know. I've seen whatever the missing movie is. Oh, yeah, there's a reason why it's the missing movie. It's called I Saw the Light, uh, a biopic about country music superstar Hank Williams. So that also is the missing movie that I couldn't think of. And when you hear my review, you'll figure out why I couldn't remember what this movie was. But uh, So welcome back to the show. And uh, last night, Empire came back on and made its, re its return uh, after its brief hiatus, had a chance to watch it last night, but for the first time in watching Empire, I did not live tweet it. I just wanted to kind of read the comments of people uh, on social media as well as watching the entire episode. And, um, I mean, I got to give Lee some credit because, in a way, he has created what I call event television right now. It is a show that's really, really hot. Um, I think that it's going to reach a, a saturation point, much like all hot shows have done. And, and if you don't believe me, you think recently about films, I mean, shows like uh, Scandal and How to Get Away, Get Away with Murder, who started out white hot, even shows like Sex in the City, Sopranos, and other huge shows, uh, Mad Men, they all start off hot and then just sort of kind of 
cool off. Um, so Empire, at some point, I think is going to write, or, or Lee Daniels and Danny Strong will do, will write themselves into a corner with this show. And, you know, I don't know how you get out of it. So, But it's an interesting ride. Watched it last night. I thought last night's episode, while it wasn't the best episode that they've ever had, I thought it was entertaining, and I thought uh, it was a welcome return back for the Lions dynasty <laughs> on the show. So good looking out. Welcome back, Empire. Uh, television, you know, right now we're in the golden era. There are so many television shows that are on right now that it is hard to kind of keep track of everything that's going on right now. So, uh, so as I said, this is the one show that we will spotlight. Uh, without any further ado, though, it is time for me to welcome onto our show uh, entertainment journalist extraordinaire Wilson Morales from BlackFilm.com. Wilson, what's going on, my brother? Not much. It's a Thursday. You know, things are going a uh, slow weekend away, but I guess everybody's still railing from uh, Batman vs. Superman. Well, you know, I-, I can't believe I gave you this high intro kind of, hey, Wilson. He's like, yeah, what's up, man? Um, no, I'm good. <laughs> well, uh, it's interesting you were talking about the Batman Superman thing. Um, I just posted an article on Facebook a couple of minutes ago that uh, there was a piece out of the New York Post that talked about the movie was too smart for Marvel audiences. And the guy made some points that I thought were really interesting. So I said, I want to go back, take a look at that film again. Um, what is your impressions, man, a week later? Have you kind of moved away from your original opinion, or are you still kind of deeply rooted in where you were a week ago? I actually went back and saw it again yesterday in a new theater on in New York, the 4DX Experience, where it's like a roller coaster ride where you're sitting in your chair for every action that's going on in the movie. Your chair responds to it. You know, so whether it's it's a car chase, uh, an airplane, bullets flying, you know, you're you're getting the water splashed on you because the scene shows that it's raining. The the movement of the chair goes back and forth like a roller coaster. And it's amazing that, you know, obviously since I had already seen the movie, that they were able to construct this based on how, you know, these people have to have seen the movie plenty of times in order to construct every movement within that chair. Um, but having said that, you know, I, I think it, I think what happens is this. I think you have people, you have a defeatist attitude, meaning that, uh, you know, if your initial reception was that it's disjointed, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, the average person who doesn't know much is just going to go by whatever they think the top people are seeing and opposed to checking it out themselves. The audience has selected right. otherwise, which, you think, which makes up for the amount of money that the movie has made. If it had more than a 50% drop this week, then they'll say to themselves, oh, it really is that bad. Otherwise, a lot of them are going to go back for repeat viewing. This was one of those movies that where it's critic proof, and the Warner Brothers needed to do that in order to you know, start developing the Justice League movie that they want to start making. No, I agree with you, man. I mean, I haven't had an opportunity to go back and check it out, but I think that uh, one of the conversations that you and I have had offline is about the tone of these films. And, I, and you know, of course, in, in the DC universe, the tone is a lot serious. It's kind of grounded in reality or as close to reality as they can make the film versus Marvel where it's kind of light, bubbly, kind of appeals to pop culture. 
uh, with characters that aren't as popular as Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, but they infuse them with actors that kind of complement them well. You know, Chris Evans to Captain America, Robert Downey Jr., etc. So I think it's apples and oranges, and I think a lot of times there's just I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I kept thinking about this in my head over and over, Wilson, when, you know, people talk about, well, the story is this and the story is that. Outside of films like The Dark Knight, where you talk about really having a very airtight script, every comic superhero film, for the most part, has its hold, man, because it's not rooted in anything that's real. It's rooted in, a, in fantasy. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, so for people, you know, critics like you and I who watch these movies and go, yeah, man, this story, you know, that, that, that Ant-Man has some holes in it. <laughs> of course Ant-Man has <laughs> So that's my point, man. I think, I think we need to hold these films to a different standard than we hold most other films. But, again, I always get in trouble when I try to infuse too much reality and truth into film criticism. You know, the thing is this, you know, you're going to get movies that get bad reviews that's going to make a boatload of money, and then you're going to get movies that have great reviews that don't make a boatload of money. You just never know what works for the audience. Oh, well, that's very true, man. That's very true. So, all right, well, so, so we've gotten past Batman versus Superman. We're, we're weeks away from uh, Marvel's big film, Captain America Civil War. What else is happening to fill in this void between these two blockbusters? Not much, you know, you know, you've got Barbershop coming up this week. I mean, I mean, in a, in a few weeks, obviously, that's the return of Ice Cube and Cedric the Entertainer and Eve and Anthony Anderson, along with some new actors and characters to the, you know, the franchise is nearly almost 20 years old. Um, you know, it's, this whole season is everything old is new again, whether it be returning characters or whether or not it's, it's sequels coming back a decades later. Last We just had a a big fat Greek wedding, and then now we're going to have Barbershop 3. You know, both of these movies, their last appearance in the theater were over 10 years ago. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think that uh, big, big Fat Greek did about 20, I want to say it did over 20 million. I want to say that. Um, I think Barbershop 3 has a, a, a devoted legion of fans. I'm going to be interested to see what the number is going to be for Barbershop because it has some crossover appeal and it has some, some people in it that I think uh, that, that will, will that, that are more mainstream than just kind of a niche audience that they went after initially. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, they have this audience. So now I just have to cater to that audience, hope the audience come out to see them in theaters and, you know, their, their money is made and that just shows that there's an audience for every type of film. Well, but I'm talking about when you got Nicki Minaj in your movie and you got Common in your film, you know, Cedric, who's been a king of comedy, Ice Cube, you know, you've got some folks that aren't just the niche audience anymore. These are folks who are mainstream appeal. That's what I'm saying. I'm interested True. to see if, if that audience will cross over and come and see these films, which I think they will. Yeah, I think so as well. You know, I mean, if there's nothing else that week, yeah, people will come out to see it. All right, man. And of course, you've had. Have you had an opportunity yet to see Miles Ahead, which I think also comes out next week? Uh, no, no. Miles, Miles Ahead comes out this week. Uh, I think in limited places. Then I don't think it'll start expanding. I have seen it. Uh, I actually 
you know, I implored uh, the courageous effort by Don Cheeto, but that's another film which I thought, as much as we all wanted to see as Don Davis, I think the film's a little bit disjointed. Um, there's some merit in there, but overall, it's it's a scattershot. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, people are going to go in with one idea of what they want to see. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And then be disappointed with what they eventually do get a chance to see. Uh, so that's going to be interesting, man. So, Wilson, man, anything else coming up, man, before we run, man, that we should be looking out for in entertainment? Uh, I think, you know, I think, you know, we're in the midst of you know, everything, you know, for, for all the bad or or not great films you have on TV, there, I mean, on, on films, there's TV. You know, I think coming up, and then you have Captain America, and then you're, like, wondering what else. This one, once we start hitting May, it's like, forget about quality. It's all about summer movies. You know, so let's look oh, for these, you know, what, let's, let's see if we can find the small gems out there. You know, because these are the time periods where, like, you don't know what's going to come out. You have the Tribeca films that are coming out, and you got to, you know, you have those little independent films there. So it's just a, a dime, finding that diamond in the rough in the next few weeks if it's not a mainstream All film. right, Wilson. Okay, well, not a problem, man. Well, tell people, man, where they can follow you and read your content, man. You can look at me at blackfilm.com, which is the same word you use for Twitter as well as Instagram. Sir, it's always a pleasure, man. Um, I don't, I, I'm sure, I don't know what you got coming up, but I'll stay on Facebook, man, and I'll find out eventually. <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking, so I'll call you later on today. All right, so, brother, you take care, man. All right, bye. All right. And, of course, that is Wilson Morales from BlackStone.com. This brother is uh, he's all over entertainment up in New York, man. And, and as he said, man, check him out and follow him at BlackFilm.com or BlackFilm on Facebook, Twitter, and the rest of social media. Uh, we're going to take a break right now and come back on the other side, and we're going to talk about the film that we're honoring today, uh, The Five Heartbeats. You guys keep it where you got it. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. And we'll be right back. Let's go. 
course, that was one of the songs from the film, Nothing But Love, from the Five Heartbeats. Uh, welcome back to the show. It is 18 minutes after the hour. Um, and as we were talking in the last segment, released on March 29, 1991, The Five Heartbeats was a musical drama film directed by Robert Townsend, who also co-wrote the script with Keenan Ivory Wayans. Now, the film's cast included Townsend, Michael Wright, Leon Robinson, Harry J. Lennox, Tico Wells, Hal Nicholas of the Nicholas Brothers, and, of course, Diane Carroll. Now, the plot of the film, which is loosely based on the lives of several artists, you know, including The Dells, The Temptations, The Four Tops, Wilson Pickett, James Brown, Frankie Lyman, Sam Cooke, and others, follows the three-decade career of the R&B vocal group The Five Heartbeats. Now, the film, of course, is, of course, depicts the rise and fall of a Motown-inspired soul act through the eyes of one of the heartbeats, Donald Duck Matthews, of course, played by Townsend himself. Now, this film, as I said, uh, is important to me, and in having conversations with people uh, earlier this week, including Wilson, uh, we figured out that it was really important to a lot of other people as well, and people who remember the songs of this film, uh, it being one of the, the 17 films released in 1991 that really re, it re, re, just jumpstart and reinvigorated uh, African-American cinema in this country. Uh, and talking about this movie, I wanted to play some clips. Uh, the first clip I want to play is probably one of my favorite scenes uh, when the heartbeats go up against, uh, I forget the group that's in the film. It wasn't Flash because Flash was... Uh, John Canada Terrell. But hold on a second. What was the name of the group that they went up against uh, that I thought was really interesting? Well, I don't have it with me. I think it's – I forget what the name of the group was, but they go into a talent show, and, of course, the, the show is kind of rigged so that the other group will win. The heartbeats get, like, this lukewarm, tepid kind of intro, and then this ensues, ensues from the talent show. Check this out. Oh, 
true uh, for so many people who kind of understood, as I said, that roughing situation with the Temptations. Uh, but I think it was a, a scene that Townsend added that worked really, really well. And then in his next scene, um, there was a record rep, excuse me, a record uh, executive named uh, Big Red in the film, who I'm not sure who he's modeled on, and I'm not going to throw out any insinuations, but in this film, he is the guy who is kind of siphoning off their money, robbing the group, and in, in, one, in this scene, the lead figure of a group that the Five Heartbeats took down has come to Big Red to talk to him about his book. And oof, <laughs> this vicious scene or this vicious incident occurs uh, that's simply titled Office Hours. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Of course. This is from 9 until 5. Great scene in that film. We're going to take another break right now. We're going to come back on the other side and talk to a person who actually co-starred in this film, 
Harry Lennox. You guys keep it where you got it. Of course, you're listening to episode 284, the celebration of the 25th anniversary for the five heartbeats, and we'll be right back. And, uh, and that's how it came to be. I was, you know, a substitute teacher, and it all worked out. 
Now, did you have to be any sort of, did you have to have any sort of musical talent to be in the role? Uh, I don't know. No, no, not really. I happened to have musical talent because I was a music teacher, but, uh, you know, I didn't teach any of the music in the movie. But, um, and, and then, of course, uh, I think the most talented of, of us in terms of singing and dancing was actually Kiko. He could actually sing and dance, and Leon could sing. Um, but, you know, the rest of us were just taking our way through it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, as, that's as simple as I can put it. We, we, uh, we think that that's what we're supposed to do, we're actors. And how much, you know, this movie, they say it's based or loosely based on Adele's, and you got to perform with them, uh, I guess, as the movie was coming out. How much did you know about the Motown music of that era, and specifically about them? Uh, I, I knew a fair amount about the Adele's. They're from Chicago, um, and I, I was aware of that. I knew one of them was also a Muslim, Chuck, and, uh, and at that time I was a Muslim, and, and uh, and so I, you know, I always admired their music, uh, and, you know, I, but I think, in all honesty, we were sort of based on a, a lot of different groups. I think the Dells were, um, were the closest uh, in terms of the types of people that we were, the type of uh, physical, you know, type and so forth. But I think you could also find a lot of allusions to the temptations, to the tops, to, you know, the rest of them. But, you know, I, I think that um, uh, we were friendly with the dolls, and so we sort of caught into them. Mm-hmm. 1991 happened to be a special year because a lot of black films came out that year, directed by black filmmakers. You know, a lot of people were getting their start being coming noticed in Hollywood. Uh, what did you? What did that movie do for you when you saw the reception they got from African Americans? Well, we, we, we were greatly overlooked. I think uh, you know we didn't uh, make a big splash at the box office at all. And so I think that uh, you know, just to be honest about it, we were very disappointed in the reception that we got from the audience. And the people would actually bother to go and see it. Loved it. You know, there was no question about that. But uh, we, you know, there wasn't some sort of big ripple that we made uh, because we were uh, overshadowed by some of those other films. I think at the time. You know, a lot of those uh, Boys in the Hood type movies were coming out and, and these things and um, what was it called? Uh, the one with Wesley Snipes. Yeah, New Jack City. New Jack City, yeah. So, you know, those things did better at the box office, but we somehow, over the course of the years, uh, developed a kind of afterlife, which was greater than our life. It was a kind of redemption, so to speak. It came about as a function of uh, people getting it on videotape at the time. Now on DVD, it's uh, it's always on television. It's a ubiquitous, uh, you know, show that, that is on many things. So I think that it's it's second life uh, in some ways far outstripped uh, what, it, what its original reception was. Uh-huh. And then obviously 25 years later, you're still in the business. You're on a TV show. You're in the number one film this week. Congratulations. You know, uh, I don't think they made so much of a splash letting people know that you were coming back to reprise your role. Uh, were you even surprised that they asked you to come back? You mean on... Uh, Batman vs. Superman? On Batman Superman? Uh, no, not really. I wasn't surprised. I mean, I, I had a good rapport, have a good rapport with Zack Snyder 
with Henry, you know, I was sort of part of his being uh, cast in a way. I was at his screen test. And so I was there from the beginning, and I think, you know, with these movies now, with these kind of tentpole things, they kind of do them in trilogies in some way. And it's sort of standard procedure if you haven't, you know, burned uh, a bridge to be uh, invited back, and I was proud to have been that. Uh-huh. This time we don't see, you know, uh, General Stanwick in uniform. Why is that? Is he a civilian at this point? I'm no longer, uh, yeah, I am a civilian. I'm now the Secretary of Defense. So I'm, uh, I'm a civilian. And yet not, I'm in charge of, you know, uh, you know of our military operations, but I am now a cabinet member. So I, I'm sure that that's a promotion. Uh, <laughs> And uh, is this the first role you've been back to reprise your role? No, uh, I reprised my role in the Matrix two and three. So I was in two, and then I got to come back in three. So okay. it's technically. Yeah. So you know, film like this, obviously, it's a big film. It's the number one film, you know. But you, obviously, you know, you, you get a sense when you're shooting it. But just during the production, what's it like, you know, coming back a year or two later, and you know, obviously, you get to see. Henry and Zach and Lawrence and the rest of the cast, and you know, and you're meeting new other cast members. It's funny. The other night, I watched State of Play, <laughs> and I go, I forgot Henry's in there with Ben. <laughs> yeah, with Ben and also with uh, with Russell Crowe. Yeah. Man of Steel. You know. So yeah. So what's it like coming back full circle and, you know, you get to, you know, make, does it make it easier when half the cast is somebody you worked with in the past? Oh, absolutely. I think, you, you know, when you, build, when you can build up a rapport, when you can build up a kind of shorthand uh, with actors that you uh, know and you know how they're working, uh, it makes it easier so you don't have to go through all of the discomfort of meeting uh, somebody for the first time. It's, it's far more comfortable. And you can really get down to the business of, of who those characters are. The, the more lived in, uh, it seems that the rapport that you have as characters, uh, in addition to as actors, uh, is, is stronger. And so it makes for a, a, a better day, a richer experience, uh, I think. Mm -hmm. Now, I know we spoke when you did Man of Steel, but for Batman vs. Superman, did you go back and read the, the Frank Miller comic book for this? I didn't. I didn't. I, um... You know, I was, I was vaguely familiar with it. I heard of it. Uh, I made the announcement at Comic Con that it was, you know, that Batman vs Superman was going to be happening. But you know, I just knew that uh, that this was going to have to be more fleshed out. And so, rather than uh, deal with the source material, so to speak, because it didn't affect my character, as it were, yours um, is Swan Wick necessarily. Uh, you know, aware of who Batman is really. I mean, it is a vigilante who's, you know, in Gotham, and I'm dealing on a kind of 
Was there any scenes that you may have shot that we didn't get to see that will probably be on the Blu-ray release that Zach releases later on? I hope so. I, I know that, you know, obviously when you have a movie that uh, has that many characters in it, it's that, that is that complex. There's going to be stuff that was shot that, uh, that will, you know, never will be seen. And I certainly get more work than, uh, than is in the, the film, but that's true of every actor that's in the movie. You know, you have to loop some stuff and uh, you're just grateful for the stuff that remains, as I am. So, are you totally into the comic books now? As you mentioned now, you you were, you were able to make the mention over at Comic Con. You know, you're, you're sucked into this world right now. Uh, do you want to let it go? Do you want to continue it? Could you see yourself appearing more films? I would love to be in more films. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a huge comic book aficionado. I never was, even as a child. I, I liked the live action stuff. Like I liked the Batman television series with Adam West, and I liked the Superman series of George Reeves and I I always enjoyed uh, greatly I, could, I remember waiting with bated breath for Christopher Reeves to come out and Superman I couldn't wait to see it I never really read the uh, the, the accompanying comic books it was just never uh, my thing per se Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have a good sense of playing an authority figure, which is what you're doing on a blacklist. How much fun are you having in the second, was it the second or third season at this point? <laughs> We're in our third season, actually, right now, going into a, hopefully, going into a fourth. But uh, I I like playing authority figures. It's something that uh, that I don't get to do in my real life. So anything that I that is kind of a departure from in my real life is something that I kind of get a kick out of doing. I think you know, I play other characters than that, but the most visible things, uh, some of the most visible projects have me uh, as authority figures. But, you know, I'm producing my own films now and, and get to play characters that are not that. They're a little more, um, you know, regular, so to speak, uh, prosaic, kind of regular guys who have trouble and a little more disturbed, a little more complicated, a little less cold together. Uh, and I get to do that also in smaller films. But I but um, I like all of it. I think if, if the work is good, uh, if the subject matter is interesting, you know, I'm interested in it and I, I will do it. And, of course, you know, being in something that keeps you visible, like, you know, Batman vs. Superman or The Blacklist, it's, those are things. Who's going to turn that down? That's good work. Uh, I enjoy... I work with these people. Uh, I enjoy uh, uh, the kind of back and forth that you get with, with top-notch actors and and uh, top-notch directors. So, uh, what's not to what's not to like? Mm-hmm. Before I let you go, what will we see you in next? Well, I, I uh, don't know. Um, obviously, on the blacklist, that's an ongoing series. We return to here on April seventh. I guess a week week from. Thursday, and then uh, after that, I did Cyrac last year, and that came out already. Uh, I hope to be in the next installment of, of uh, Batman Superman should it come to pass, uh, and then I'm continuing to do my own, do my own uh, films and so forth. So I have two films that uh, are coming out. One is called Henry the Fourth or H Four, the Shakespeare first black Shakespeare film done ever. And then um, the second one is called Revival, which is the gospel of John set to gospel music and um, takes some of the most well-known traditional gospel music and puts it 
here. But, um, but you know, that, that's really what my next iteration of life is going to be, is trying to produce films, direct, and write uh, content. So I'm trying to develop that aspect of my career, because I think it extends a career, and I would be interested in, in that.
love me. You love me? Do you love me, honey? Most of the time I do. <laughs> All right, and of course, that was uh, Hank Williams and his first wife. Uh, 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 goodness gracious, I had her name, Audrey Williams, uh, played by Elizabeth Olsen. Now, of course, uh, in addition to this being a dramatization of the life of the, of the legend Hank Williams, uh, as well as his rise to fame as one of the most popular and influential artists before his untimely death at the age of 29, but Mark Abramson's passion project about the icon stars, as we said, Hiddleston as Hank Williams and Elizabeth Olsen as his wife, Audrey. Now, over the past 10 years, musical bios have been a mixed bag, ranging from the good, straight out of Compton and Ray, to the not-so-good, big notorious, why do fools fall in love? Despite a compelling subject in Williams, and a solid actor in Hiddleston who bears a striking physical resemblance to the late country superstar, the film suffers from a dire screenplay that paints Williams' life as a dark, joyless affair. Now, the end result is a slowly-paced story that keeps the audience at arm's length and eventually gives them no reason to even care about this film. Hiddleston and Olsen do their best, but unlike Williams, whose composition... Uh, is the title of this film. There's simply, simply no light in Abram's, Abraham's seemingly never-ending story. Ugh. I wish I could be a little more positive, but I can't. Um, I gave I Saw the Light a C-, minus. Um, a biopic I had an opportunity to see last fall, and they literally kind of put, put it on the shelf and released it this weekend. And it did nothing to improve the project after six months out of theater. So I, a C for I Saw the Light. Now, our next film is uh, Oscar-nominated director Richard Linklater's follow-up to Boyhood. And, of course, that film is Everybody Wants Some. And before we talk a little bit about this film, here is a clip from Linklater's latest. What are you doing? Put it on. First time wearing cologne? No. Get it on there, man. Get it under your arms and on your chest. Just put it on your neck. Come on. I don't know, man. Too much of this smells like cat piss. Oh, shit. Trying to help you out and you're going to question me? Jesus. I'm telling you, man. Chicks dig this shit. All right? You can come back here and do the five-knuckle shuffle all night if you want to. I don't really care. What's the five-knuckle shuffle? Jesus, freshman. Figure it out, man. Hey, Dylan McReynolds. So fucking desperate, dude. Desperate for pussy? Yep, that's what it is. And this film tells the story of a group of fun-loving college baseball players at a 1980s Texas college. Now, the film focuses on college freshmen, uh, on a particular college freshman played by Blake Jenner, and his awkward meeting with his new baseball teammates who are an unruly group of disco-dancing, skirt-chasing partiers several days before the start of school. Now, described as the spiritual sequel to his 1993 cult classic, Days and Confused, his latest is a raucous celebration of sophomoric hijinks, alcohol, weed, and women from a group of overstimulated jocks. Told through the prism of Jenner, 
The film focuses on 72 hours of fun with his eclectic group of teammates while pursuing the love of an attractive art major, Beverly, played by Zoe Dutch. In typical late letter fashion, his stories are often simple, philosophical, and highly intimate Texas stories. And this film is right in his cinematic wheelhouse, a 21st century animal house. Everybody Wants Some is a movie that will put a smile on the face of those who live, who, who live through or remember the time while providing enough entertainment for the uninitiated. Um, while I liked this film and I, and I thought that I would recommend it, there is not a perfect film by any means. I gave this film a C. Uh, that's right, a C for Everybody Wants Some, which brings us to our final film this weekend, which is Midnight Special. Now, this film, of course, is a sci-fi drama written and directed by Jeff Nichols, uh, which stars his frequent collaborator Michael Shannon along with Joel Edgerton, Kirsten Dunst, and Adam Driver. And let's listen to a clip from Midnight Special. Dad? Yeah. Are you scared? You don't have to worry about me. I like worrying about you. You don't have to anymore. I'll always worry about you, Alan. That's the deal. All right, and of course, this film revolves around... I'm sorry, let me let me go back. Uh, the film is Nicholas's fourth full-length film in his chronology, in his chronological, his chronology, excuse me, in his first post-studio production. Now, the film revolves around Roy, played by Shannon, and his biological son Alton Meyer, played by newcomer Jaden Lieber Lieberher, who is being pursued by a group of shadowy government officials and a group of, uh, as well as a group of religious extremists, due to his special powers. Now, one of the industry's most underrated and publicly unknown directors, nevertheless, Nicholas, Nichols, excuse me, is very talented with three previous films, Shotgun Stories, Take Shelter, and Mud, having explored repressed emotions, uh, the past colliding with the present, and fatherhood. As the object of everyone's attention, young Lieberher once again sparkles in a low-key yet effective performance that feels light years away from his work opposite Bill Murray in St. Vincent, which was released last year. Now, while Edgerton and Dust are solid, Shannon once again shows why he is quietly developing into one of the industry's signature character actors and an actor that Nichols trusts the most. The sci-fi surprise of the year Midnight Special is this year's Ex Machina, which is high praise indeed. And I gave this film a B. I really enjoyed Midnight Special. Thought it had a wonderful tone. I thought it it it, it really excels in bringing you there into the unknown and then kind of, of, of executing the story and kind of rolling it out for you in a way that I thought was not only entertaining, but also thoughtful and well done. So kudos to Jeff Nichols on his fourth film. Really like
love Mike Sh- Michael Shannon, great actor. Uh, so, you know, that is the movie to see this weekend. If you if, if you don't want to go back and see Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice again, if we want a new movie out, this is the one. All right, so before we get out of here, I want to thank Wilson Morales, uh, who was on the show today, as well as Harry Linux. Um, again, the five heartbeats, for those who haven't watched it in a while, I would highly urge you to go out there and, and enjoy that experience with those guys once again. If you've never seen the five heartbeats, check it out. Happy anniversary to the, to the five heartbeats, 25 years, great film and a very important film to me as well. All right. And that closes the book on episode 284 of the big show. And as I tell you guys, in closing every week, please, please, please see something good at the movies this week. And until next time, we're out of here. You enjoy your weekend.